If you have your Bibles, guys, let's flip back uh, to the book of Ephesians. I want to start reading it, chapter number two. Uh, and we've been talking about God's plan for his church. God's plan for his church. And as we just concluded our study on building a multi-ethnic church, this series on Sunday is going right along with that because we got to get understanding about what God's plan is for his church. Not our church, all right, but his church. Everybody say it's his church. So if it is God's church, and if he lays out a plan by which he wants his church to operate, who are we to try to say we want to do it our way? Amen? If we, are, if we belong to God, if we're like the Apostle Paul who says he was a slave for Christ, then that means that we are obligated to seek out his will for his church. And if we are doing anything, if we are operating in any way that does not line up with kingdom principles, then we are obligated as as, as Christians to, to change what we're doing and start following out the God's plan for his church. So we're going to begin our reading at Ephesians chapter number two, and uh, we'll read a few verses uh, there following. We're going to flip over into the third chapter because we talked about the fact that, that, that God has a plan for his church and that plan will be fulfilled when we understand that, that his love is the, is the super glue that holds the church together. Can I get a witness? We subtitled this message on last Sunday today, What's Love Got to Do With It? Amen. What's love got to do with it? And some people in the church today have forgotten what love really is all about. Or maybe you've been hurt or you've been wounded. And so you don't want to love. You feel like you can't love anymore because you're afraid you're going to get hurt again. But I, what I'm here to tell you today is if when you learn what God's love is all about, that agape love that transcends us, it's all about him and not about us. That love extends to us. So when we have been the recipient of that love, guys, you can't help but to want to love somebody else also. So Ephesians chapter number two, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number 11. Ephesians two, verse number 11, talking about what's love got to do with it. The text says this, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outside. The apostle Paul is the writer of this text. He's writing to the church at Ephesus, a primarily Gentile church. And he says, you were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. Now, guys, y'all know the story how God in his, in his infinite wisdom chose to redeem mankind. When mankind fell in the Garden of Eden, God already had a plan to bring him back to himself. God already had a plan to reconcile mankind to himself. And so God said, man in human flesh sinned against me in the garden, so I'm going to come and be born into the earth realm through human flesh. The Bible says God... God poured out of himself into human flesh. And so he went to the cross of Calvary to die on the cross for us so that we could have the right to come into a personal relationship with him. But he chose a nation, a people to come through. He chose the Jewish people to bring the seed through. But the problem became is the Jews thought that they had a patent on God. They thought that because Jesus came through their nation that, that they were exclusive, mutually exclusive. They had the right to the, to the God who created the heavens and earth. But God's plan all along was to use the Jews to bring the Savior to the earth realm. But it was never his plan for, his, for salvation just to be exclusively for the Jewish nation. Can I, are y'all tracking with me today? The text says this. It says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. The text says, let's keep reading. Let's go. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Who's he talking to? Come on, talk to me. The church at Ephesus, which is a primarily Gentile church, and he's, he's, he's going back and re, re, rehearsing their history, what they used to be. How many of y'all got some used to be in you? How many of y'all got some stuff where you used to be? How many of y'all used to be party harders? How many of y'all were clubbers? Oh, I saw three hands go. How many of y'all were clubbers? How many of y'all were drunkards? Okay, y'all honest. Ain't nobody up here raise a hand. How many of y'all were, were 
We smokers. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. How many of y'all were whoremongers? Don't raise your hands. How many of y'all were sexually promiscuous? Don't raise your hands. You had a past. And listen, everybody has a story. Nobody sitting up in this place was born saved. And I will submit to you, when you look back over your life and see where the Lord has brought you from, amen, you know what you used to be, you know what you were involved in, but God saved you, delivered you, set you free, and you got a whole lot to be thankful for. So he's rehearsing the history. He said, you, you guys, you didn't know the covenant promise God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Next verse says what? Let's read. It says, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through what? The blood of Christ. Keep reading. The text says this. Uh, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united, listen to this, he united Jews and Gentiles into one people when he in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. So Jews and Gentiles did not get along. They hated one another. That was racism that was pervasive amongst Jews and Gentiles. Again, remember, from a heavenly viewpoint, from God's vantage point, there were only two ethnicities, Jew and Gentile. Are y'all with me today? So we got to start thinking kingdom-mindedness with a kingdom-minded approach. God saw Jew and he saw Gentile. Let me break it down a little bit further for you. Jews were his chosen people and Gentiles was any other ethnicity outside of Jews. All right? So that you, you, you could, whether you were African, whether you were, uh, wh- wherever you were from, you were a Gentile. Can I get a witness? So he says, so he says, in his own body of the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Next verse says what? Let's go. It says, it says, he did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles. Look at this. Look at this. By creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Listen to what he says. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles. He brought these different ethnicities together into one body. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating himself one new people from the two groups. Now let's skip over to the third chapter uh, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number six. Ephesians chapter three, verse number six. Because we left off on last week talking about how can we get to the point to where we love people? How can we get to the point where we love people and show the agape love of God? Because I told you there are five words in the Greek for love, right? You should have them on your notes. Uh, but agape love is that kind of love that's unconditional, that love that says, it's, it's not, my love for you is not based on how good you are. And God's love for us is not based on how good we are because if the truth be told, none of us are good enough to get into the presence of a holy God. But God loved us anyhow, right? So, so the text says this in Ephesians chapter number three, verse number six, and this is God's plan. Everybody say, this is God's plan. Say, it's God's plan. It says, as a believer, say, as a believer, I am obligated to follow God's plan. And this is God's plan both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. Both Jews and Gentiles. That means every ethnicity that's walking the face of this earth, what he says right here, that that we share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body. In other words, there ain't no black church, there ain't no white church, there ain't no Hispanic church, there's no Asian church. There's one church, it's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we got to stop these identifiers and, 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 and codifying our, our situation based off of what we see on the outside. God says, amen, there's no longer Jew nor Greek, male nor female, bond nor free for we all are one in Christ Jesus, is what he said in Galatians. Watch this, he says, both are part of the same body. And both enjoy the promise of blessing because they belong to Christ Jesus. Text says this, next verse, what? Let's read. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege 
Paul says, I've been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. What was that good news? What was that good news? Come on, talk to me, y'all. The good, huh? The good, the, the, the gospel, which was what he's talking about here specifically in this text is that the good news that there's no longer Jew nor Greek, that there's no longer a different ethnicity. We all come together in one. We all are one in, in Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have given the privilege of serving him, been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Next verse is what? Verse eight, let's go. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. Text says this in the next verse. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. It was not known in the Old Testament, but now it's been revealed through the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. And so now we know the, we know what the mystery is, right? The text says in the next verse, let's go. It says, uh, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church. Everybody say it's his church. To use the church to display his wisdom in his rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. God chose to use the church to show the angelic host, both demonic hosts and, 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 and those good angels, that God's wisdom far exceeds Satan's wisdom. Because Satan thought that by crucifying Christ, he had did away with God's plan. But by crucifying Christ, amen, you and I now have the right to come into a personal relationship with Christ Jesus and we come together as a family of faith in unity, amen, showing forth God's love. Now let's get back to where we left off on last week, guys. So are y'all still with me today? Everybody still tracking with me today? As we celebrate 138 years, guys, we don't want to just be a church that's old. We want to be a church that's effective. So just because you've been around a long time does not mean that you've been effective. There's a lot of stuff that's been around a long time, but it's not being effective. We want to be an effective, God-fearing, God-honoring, and God-pursuing church. Can I get a witness? Now, we, 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 we said on last week that if we're going to be the church that has that kingdom impact, there are some things that we got to do. And first and foremost is we got to understand what love is and begin to exude God's love as we go out to reach our communities with the gospel message. We said there were five steps to loving people. And the first one we said was what? We said, number one, we must feel and understand how deeply God loves us. All right? Y'all with me? We must feel and understand how deeply God loves us. Repeat that when we say we must understand, we must feel, I'm sorry, we must feel and understand how deeply God loves us us. Skip, let's, let's, let's bump to that 17th and 18th verse of this third chapter. We got to understand it. I said it on last week and I'm going to repeat it again. Guys, until you've experienced God's agape love and until somebody manifests that love to you, you probably won't really understand truly how to love somebody else. Because love again, is a word that, again, is, is used so flippantly in today's society. But God says, I want you to understand what agape love is all about. Look at what the text says here in Ephesians 3, verse 17, 18. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you what? Strong. Your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. Verse number 18. Let's read it together. It says what? And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. God wants us to feel his love, and he wants us to understand his love. Because 1 John 4, 19 says that we love because God first loved us. Why is it important, we said on last week, to feel loved by God? Because unloved people are often unloving people. If you never experienced love, you don't know how to exude love. And if you never experienced God's love, amen, from, a, from a, I'm not talking about religion. Let me ask you a very personal, pertinent question. I want you all to be honest with me. How many of y'all grew up in church, and when you were, you were growing up in church, you went to church because it was an obligation? Can I see some people going to be honest with me today? You, 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 how, let, let me back up. How many of y'all didn't have a choice? 
No, you didn't have a choice. It was not, I don't care if you, ca- if you came home from, from, from whatever at 2 o'clock in the morning, mom and dad said, you're going to get your tail up and you're going to go to church. And, 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 and in a lot of ways, guys, it was about just going to church. And guys, I will tell you, just going to church doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to experience God's love. God is more about a relationship than it is about a, a system that, we, that we've been accustomed to doing all our lives. God wants us to understand what true love is. True love is born out of relationship. Now, again, I've, I've been married to my wife, my lovely wife, for 35 years. Yes, 35 years. I think I'm correcting that. 35 years. Uh, 30, it'll be 36 years in December. All right? Now, I've been married to her for, for, for going on 36 years. And in order for us to get to that point where we walk down the aisle to say I do, it had to be more than just she looked good and I look fine. <laughs> Y'all don't hear me, do you? Because, listen, you, if, 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 you, if you married somebody just because they look good, hello, and didn't really understand what love was all about, then I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but you you can probably tell me when we get through and and go outside today and and mix and mix. Some of y'all come and say, Pastor, I know exactly what you mean. (laughs) Because I didn't know what love had to do with it until I figured out that when you're going to live with somebody, you you better know what love is because to live with another fallible human being means that you got to learn how to love because nobody's perfect. I'll tell you, in that 36 years of marriage, I've had our challenges along the way. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> yes, we're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking other tongues, but we have problems from time to time because we're two distinct individuals. And because we're two distinct individuals means that we may not necessarily agree on everything. But when we love each other, when we love each other, when we learn how, as the Bible says, uh, uh, look beyond each other's faults, and learn how to forgive, then now that love supersedes those fallacies that each one of us have. Are y'all with me today? But if you don't understand that, the first time of trouble, you tuck tail and run. But God loved us so much that he, that he gave his very best so that you and I could, 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 could understand what love is and we can exude that to somebody else. So we first have to experience God's love ourselves. Jesus said in John 15 and 12, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Now, we left off on point number two. Point number two was is that we must, if, if we're going to uh, love people, we, got to, we must first forgive those who have hurt us. Go to Colossians, the third chapter, verse number 13. We must forgive those who have hurt us. How many of y'all been hurt before? I mean, emotionally. I mean, I mean someone, someone who... Who, who, who you thought much of, someone who you loved, someone who you were in relationship with disappointed you. Someone who, who you trusted violated your trust. I want you all to think about it for a second. That deep hurt that you felt, the betrayal that you felt, Y'all still, you tracking with me? That deep betrayal that you felt and, 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 and how you, even in some ways, you said to yourself, I, I don't like this feeling and I'm not going to let this happen to me again. So I'm, I'm going to treat everybody that comes in contact with me, old folks know what this means, with a long handled spoon. Y'all know what that means? A long handled spoon means that I'm not going to let you get too close to me because you hurt me the last time and I have not forgotten that. And I'm not going to let you get close to me. But as a, the only problem with that, guys, is, is that we have a commandment from God to love people. Are y'all with me today? Notice what the text says here. Watch it. Let's, let's see what the Bible tells us because the Bible has to be our guide. If I am a believer, then I have to have a foundational truth in which to build upon. It can't be my opinion because everybody's got an opinion. The opinion is just like a nose. How many of y'all got a nose? Point to it. You got a nose. 
All of us have different noses of different sizes. Everybody has one. So if, if, if I build my faith on my opinion, opinions change. How many of y'all's opinions have changed about people over a period of time? It's a, it, opinions will change, so we cannot base our truth on opinion. And, and for God's sake, I'm talking to Christians now. For God's sake, quit going around saying, that's my truth. What do you mean, your truth? See, what that says is, is that, bro, Pastor, really, I, I, you know, my truth is this. And if everybody's got truth, then that means there's, no, there's really no truth because there's no foundation which to build upon, no, no foundation which to govern life's issues by. But God says, I gave you my word. The Bible even says this, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the word became flesh and dwelt among men. The, Jesus Christ was God personified in human flesh. And so he gave us a blueprint by which to live our lives. Y'all tracking with me? Now notice what he says here, because I know that many of y'all, if I were to poll the audience, many of y'all have, have experienced hurt before. And so when you experience hurt, that doesn't feel good. I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of being hurt, but I, what I got to tell you is, is that even when you deal with anybody who's, who's fallible, and that means anybody you deal with is subject to hurting you, but God still says love. And notice what he says as he talks about unity in the church. He says what? Make, Paul is writing here to the saints at Colossae. He says what? Make, y'all got to read with me, y'all. This, this is a participatory sermon. This is called call and response. I call, you respond. Y'all got that? Because I want you to stay awake. I want you to stay engaged. And I want you to see what the word of God says. Watch what it says. Are y'all ready? Let's go. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must do what? You must forgive others. That's Bible, guys. So, that, so, so it doesn't say, well, if they hurt me real bad or if they have a history of hurting me, I, 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 I can't. I can't forgive them. Now, I will tell you this, guys, and we studied this when we dealt with emotionally healthy relationship. Forgiveness does not necessarily mean that every relationship will restore to the level that it was prior to the the, the thing that took place. Are y'all with me? But I believe God's best would be, come on, God's best would be, and again, if it's, it's, uh, by that I mean sometimes, so, so certain things happen that, that is not conducive for you to be back in that same type of relationship with that person. Take, for instance, uh, one, of, one of our young students uh, interviewed me about d- domestic violence for her senior project. We were talking and going through that process of domestic violence. And here's what typically happens during domestic violence situations. Uh, that person, partic- normally it's a woman, but sometimes it's, it's the male being abused also. And so that, 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 that female may think that I'll forgive him, I'll forgive him. He said he loves me, but he, he, he hits me every weekend. And I, I will tell you, something is wrong with that person's confession of love when they love you and they beat on you. As a matter of fact, that person don't know what love is. Are y'all with me today? But sometimes people have erroneously told that person, and here's my advice to anybody who's experiencing domestic violence. You remove yourself from the situation until that person gets help and it's proven that he's getting help so that restoration can take place because there have been too many incidents where a person stays thinking that I'm forgiving them, but they keep doing the same thing. See, see if somebody repents, that means they turn away from you have not repented if you keep doing the same thing over and over again. Are y'all with me today? So sometimes forgiveness may mean, listen, I forgive you. God, is, God, is, God, God knows I don't have anything against you in my heart, but we can't have that relationship again. Because you have not shown that true repentance is taking place in your heart. Are y'all tracking with me? All right? So but we are obligated to forgive. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must do what? Forgive us. Listen to me carefully. It's impossible to love anyone fully and at the same time resent someone else. Listen to this again. You cannot give total love when your heart is divided. And a bitter heart is a divided heart. There are many people 
uh, in, in, in churches whose hearts are divided and they're bitter because they've been unable to forgive. And I'm telling you, forgiveness is very important. Uh, you guys that went through the study with us recall, uh, and I'll just read just briefly, uh, we did the building a multi-ethnic church study. Uh, we, we, we saw a situation that was real, uh, I mean, real vivid in, in, this, in modern history. And I'll read just a, just a little bit of this for those who did not take part in that. But the text said, the writer in the books talks about, he relayed a situation that happened uh, in Rwanda. It says the, Tut- the Tutsi-led Rwandan Patriotic Front invaded its home country of Rwanda in October of 1990. And uh, he said that uh, this, inc- this incident instigated the tribal war between the Tutsi minority and the Hutu-led government and its Rwandan armed forces. The inconceivable happened just four years later, over a period of just 100 days, nearly one, listen to this guys, nearly one million people were massacred in Rwanda's genocide. One million people within 100 days were massacred because of ethnic violence. Ethnic hatred. Now guys, ethnicity didn't have anything to do with these guys' skin color because they all were black from a skin pigmentation standpoint, but they were from different ethnicities. Let me tell you something right now. The love of Christ has the ability to supersede all of that, but we got to realize that the devil will divide us based off of anything that he can. He'll divide us based off of politics. He'll divide us based off of where we come from. He'll divide us based off of our skin tone or our different ethnicities. He loves division. So he went on. The guy named uh, Celestine Musakura uh, knows the horror of Rwanda's genocide all too well. He says, in the midst of this unspeakable horror, members of his family and members of the congregation he pastored were killed. He says, in forgiven as we've been forgiven, Celestine wrote, I found pastors and church leaders who had survived the killings and who were mourning the loss of their wives, children, colleagues, and church members. Most of these pastors, priests, and church leaders were asking, does God... Uh, care about us? Is God really all powerful? Where was God when, when my wife and my children were being chopped into pieces? And are we in the days of the great tribulation? And as a result of that horror, Celestine's country experienced the Lord's, the Lord's Jesus called him to preach reconciliation in Rwanda and to plant multi-ethnic churches that were made of Hutus and Tutsis. These groups that have been warring, that have killed and, and just mangled and maligned each other, this preacher was called to build multi-ethnic churches between those groups who were formerly warring factions. Now, guys, he stepped into the middle of that because God called him just like God called the Apostle Paul to preach the vision of multi-ethnic churches. That was God's plan for his church. He says this, he says, his gospel vision was to have congregations made up, of, made up of enemies who killed each other's families to now be one in Christ. His gospel vision was to see people who had broken each other into bloody pieces now break communion bread and drink the forgiving, reconciling blood of Jesus. God called him to display how the mystery of Christ would bring healing to a nation ripped apart by ethnic hatred and murder. Now, guys, I, I would challenge you to, to, to if, you, if you are not familiar with that story, to go back and read and research it. This guy was given the, 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 the charge by God to bring these formerly warring factions together to build a multi-ethnic church because he understood that that was God's plan all along to bring all together in one. Out of two, Jew and Gentile, he brought them together into one to make this new entity, this new ethnicity called the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this guy had that, that, that call. Now, I, I personally believe that one of our mandates as a body of believers here is to help bridge the gap. God has chosen, for whatever reason, he chose this church, he chose me, he gave me the mantle seven years ago, he says, I want you to be the bridge. He says, I want you to be the bridge because maybe there was some relational, there was some relationship that I've established from years gone back 
that maybe uniquely positioned us to be able to do this. We're not the only ones who are doing this. But what I will tell you is God has chosen to use this body to show the world that unity among his people will lead to a transformation in our society. I said it before and I said it again. Listen, the sin of racism will not be dealt with until the church deals with it and gets it right. And there's a whole lot of this stuff that's going on beneath the surface that has not been dealt with. And God says, and this study has brought it out. God says that I got to get my people's hearts right before they can effectively, amen, have kingdom impact in their communities. So God has chosen us along with many other churches to say, let's live this stuff out. Let's begin to be the church that God has called for us to be. His plan all along because the gospel was preached to Abraham. Y'all know that, right? We talked about it before. His plan all along was to bring the different ethnicities into one body. I told you before, people can't see the universal church. What do I mean by universal church? I mean, everybody's born again, that's, that's in Christ um, uh, and going to heaven. That's, the, that's what's called the universal church. But they can see the local church. And when the world sees the local church, what do they see? Division. We got a black church. We got a Hispanic church. We got an Asian church. We got a white church. And I know that breaks the heart of God because we've allowed those past uh, 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 conflict, past issues to cause us not to be comfortable to come together on the common ground of Christ Jesus. But I'm here to tell you today, today is a new day. God is doing a new thing. It ain't new, but it's always been his plan. And God says, I'm going to use the church who's willing to be obedient. I don't care who don't like it. I'm going to follow God. And I'd much rather follow God and have him be pleased with me than to follow man because man some man don't understand God's plan. I've said it all along. You will never, hear me carefully, you will never understand the things of God through your mental intellect. The Bible even says this, the things of God cannot be understood unless the spirit of God reveals them to you. So if you don't spend any time in God's word, how are you going to know the things of God? You don't even know what his plan is because you don't spend any time in his word. So as a result, you're going to go and try to attack these issues based off of what you see in the secular world. And God is saying it's time for us to be the church and, and be, be the church that fulfills his plan that he has to, to bring unity to the earth realm through showing the world unity between fellow believers in Christ Jesus. So, so we must, so if we're going to love people who said the first thing we got to do is what? Let's back up real quick. We got to do what? We must feel and understand how deeply God loves us. Second thing, we must forgive those who have hurt us. To begin loving people today, we got to close the door on the past. How do you know if the door on the past has been closed or not? Here's a telltale sign. If you have to, if you are constantly repeating, constantly going back over it over and over again, every time somebody talks to you, you're saying the same stuff then that means you have not really released that. Let me go to this side over here. All right. Every time you and your husband get into an argument, you bring up the same thing that happened five years ago. Oh, I'm not looking at anybody in particular. Some of y'all are like you're sweating over there. You told them what I said? If you keep on bringing up the same thing every time there's a conversation to be had, there is a pretty good chance you have not released it. If every time I talk to you, you tell me about what happened to you in 1945, then that means you probably have not released it. Oh, I'm not talking about sharing from a historical perspective because we talk about history around here, right? And we, and we, we talk about it and we talk about it from a, from a spiritual perspective. We understand that you can't, you can't, you can't uh, redefine what happened. Let's go back and figure out what happened because we, we have to look at, look at what happened to figure out where we are today, right? But if, if I'm constantly 
of bringing that thing up again, there's a good chance I have not extended forgiveness and I have not released the past. Anybody ever been in a relationship with somebody who keeps bringing up the same thing over and over again? They keep crucifying you time and time again. Now, again, you can't, listen to me carefully. Now, you can't keep, you can't be still doing the same thing. And then come on time. But your know, pastor said you can't keep bringing it. Well, you just did it last week for the 125th time. Are y'all with me? But if somebody has, has says, I'm sorry, I hurt you. Please forgive me. I've repented. I've turned away from that. That's no longer me. Yes, I messed up. And, and, and guys, let, let me tell you something. When you mess up, quit making excuses. Call a spade a spade, a queen a queen, a king a king, whatever you want to say. Call it what it is. If you lied, say I lied. Don't talk about, well, you know, my mind got confused. <laughs> and all this kind of stuff was going on and, and I misspoke. No, you didn't misspoke. You lied. Call sin, sin. Are y'all, are y'all in relationship with those folks who try to dress up their sin? Because sin is ugly. We don't like to call it what it is. But if you lied, you lied. If you, were, if you had hatred towards somebody who was different than you, different ethnicity, then you need, to, you need to say, God, forgive me. I was a racist. Or I was prejudiced. Or God, forgive me because I judged the person. I didn't even know him, but I judged him when I saw him based on what he looked like. God, forgive me for that. And then stop doing that. Because you keep doing that, you didn't really repent from that. You just said some words. Everybody still tracking with me? We must forgive those who have hurt us. Forgive those who hurt you for your sake, not because they deserve it. None of us deserve forgiveness, but God forgave us. So, so forgive those who hurt you for your sake, not because they deserve it. Do it so your heart can be whole again. Listen to me very carefully. The people from your past cannot continue to hurt you today unless you allow them to hurt you by holding on to resentment against them. If you still hold on to resentment, then they still got control of you. I refuse, guys, to live my life looking back. Because I'm going to run into something. I refuse to live my life holding on to the past because if I continue to do that, I will not be able to move forward in Christ Jesus. Anytime you resent someone, you give that person a piece of your heart, a piece of your attention, and a piece of your mind. Do you want that person to have that? I would hope you would say no, so take it back by forgiving them. Take, get that person out of your mind by forgiving them. Did y'all hear me? Get them out of your mind by forgiving them. If you if you still and you know you I'm talking listen this Holy Ghost said park right there just for one more minute because Pastor you own to something. See we cannot move forward and we cannot be the church that God called us to be if we don't learn how to forgive. We must forgive those who have hurt us. Forgive those who hurt you instead of rehearsing that hurt over and over again. You got to release it. And a good, a good sign that you have not released it is, is you keep rehearsing it over and over again. Third thing, we must think loving thoughts. Go to Philippians 2, 1 through 5. We must think loving thoughts if we're going to love people. We must think loving thoughts. Look at what Philippians chapter number 2. Are y'all still tracking with me today? Are you still here? Philippians chapter 2, verse number 1. Let's read together. It says what? Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Verse number 2, let's go. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with what? One mind and purpose. Who's writing here? The Apostle Paul is writing to the saints at Philippi and he's talking to the church. He's not talking to the unsaved people. He's talking to the church. He's talking to born again believers, those who profess to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. He says, make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, 
loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Next verse, verse three says what? Don't be selfish. How many of y'all in relationship with selfish people? Oh, raise your own hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand because all of us can be selfish at time, right? Selfish means I want things my way. I want to do it my way. I want it the way I want it when I want it. All right. Let, let, let me ask you to do a little uh, remembrance right now. How many of y'all will be honest enough to tell me that within the last year you've, you've, you've committed a selfish act with somebody who you're in relationship with? Now, when I say selfish, it could be anything. It, mean, it could mean you, there was one piece of chicken left. And both of y'all wanted that piece of chicken. It was Southern classic. <laughs> oh, pastor, you just ramped it up a little bit higher then. If it was churches, I would let them have it. But it was Southern classic. <laughs> One piece of chicken left. And both of y'all wanted it. Who was big enough to say, you go ahead and take it. You go ahead and take it. I, I, yeah, I, I want to prefer you. Now, that may seem like a facetious example, and I, and I, and I, I just put it out there just for the, from the standpoint of all of us have these instances and times where we become selfish and not preferring one another. I told you all about a time when my wife wants me to go run errands with her, and it's on a Saturday, and it's football season. And I... Ivana, I I, I don't like to watch LSU too much nowadays. I'm feeling for you. I'm praying for you. They're going to get better. But but there are times when she wants to run some errors. And guys, you know what I learned to do? I used to, can I I be honest with y'all? I used to kind of throw a fit and I, I started getting mad because she's asking me to go with her. Any husband brave enough to tell me that they got mad too? I got a few, Jerry shook his head, but some of y'all are like, mm, ain't saying nothing. Ain't saying nothing. <laughs> but I told y'all before, here's what I learned. Part of that is not just that she wants, no, no, she wants me to put the, the water in the container. Part of that is, is, is she, if she's desiring to spend time with me, then I want to spend time with her. Because when I was dating her, Are y'all listening to me? When I was dating her, she could have said, let's go to Timbuktu. I'm like, where it is? Let's go to Timbuktu. So now that I've been married 35 years, why am I going to now stop wanting to spend time with her? Listen, I, I, I got to cultivate that thing. Everybody say cultivate it. So sometimes we can be selfish and want to do what we want to do. And even not what God wants us to do or not what our, our fellow person who we're in relationship with wants us to do. Listen, selfishness is, is something that we got to all be on guard against. You can be saved on your way to heaven, and I'm sure that you are, but you can be selfish too. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Come on, Christians. Stop trying to do it. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. That's Bible. Next verse. Can we read it together? Let's go. Come on. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Because guys, you'll never be a good kingdom citizen only thinking about yourself. God saved you, left you here so that he can get, use you as an ambassador for Christ to reach other people. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others, others too. Next verse says what? Let's read. Come on. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And he goes on to talk about the attitude he had, the attitude he had where he left the privileges of glory to come to be born in human flesh, to go and to die on the cross of Calvary, suffer, hung, bled, and died, resurrected with all power in his hands so that we, you and I could have the privilege of coming to the presence of a holy God. Jesus Christ left the comfort zone to come to suffer for us. I want to know how many of you all are willing to leave your comfort zone huh, to, to, to help God fulfill his plan for his church. I want to know how many of y'all are willing to say, you know what, pastor, it's not all about what I want. And, you know, and we, I'm not saying it's wrong for us to want 
certain things, but it is wrong for us to want certain things when God says, I'm moving you in a different direction. And God will do that. God will, God will start moving you away from the thing that maybe you want to desire to see, to see if you're willing to follow him in spite of what you want. And I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I struggle with that. Any of y'all struggle with that when God says do this, but you, you want to do something else? Oh. Do any of y'all struggle with that? from time to time and God says this God says go and talk to that person at work that nobody likes I'm going to use you as an, a vessel to minister to them everybody at work just kind of runs from them but God says I want you to go and talk to them are you willing to do that you must have the same attitude that Christ has had so, so, so we said that we must feel feel we must feel and understand how deeply God loves us. We must forgive those who have hurt us, and we must think loving thought. What does it mean to think loving thought? It means that we begin to focus on other people's needs, hurts, problems, desires, and goals, not just our own. You ever heard this term before, hurt people hurt people? See, if someone is hurting you, that person is doing so because he or she is hurting. We need to look beyond people's faults and see their needs. Then we can learn to love. You know, <laughs> the people who we would rather ignore are the ones that many times desperately need love and God is sending us toward them. Subconsciously, that person is saying, uh, uh, Rick Warren said, he says, he says, subconsciously, that person is saying, I'm going to get noticed one way or another. How many of y'all know those kind of people who love to get noticed? And they'll create drama just to get noticed. Are y'all, any of y'all in relationship with people, they'll, they'll create drama just so you say, hey, here I am. Don't forget about me. They'll do crazy stuff. But we must think loving thoughts and, and be willing to reach out. So number four, number four, okay? We must act, we must act, not only must we, must we think loving thoughts, we must act in a loving way. Go to Luke chapter number six, verse 27 and 28 with me right quick. Are y'all still tracking with me? All right. Got to keep moving. Got to keep moving, guys. Thank God for 138 years. And thank God for a willingness to go with God, a willingness to change or to be transformed so that God can use us at peak level to fulfill the plan for his church. God's plan all along was to make of two people one. That's his plan. And so, uh, just like the guy in our story was talking about the fact that, that I read from my book, the, uh, the Tootsies in the Hootsies, hoot, 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 uh, they, they, they had, their Christianity had become to the point to where their ethnicity trumped their Christianity. And what I've, what I've been telling you all along is, is that, that your ethnicity should always take a back seat to your Christianity. Not that you do away with your ethnicity, but your ethnicity, once you, once you make your ethnicity higher than what the word of God says, you made your ethnicity a God. It's become an idol God. And God says that my word, amen, it, it, it supersedes everything else. And when I learn what his word says, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. That's what I'm going to follow after. Look at the text says. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, this is Jesus talking. Look at what Jesus says. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Now, I will tell you right now, without any fear, without any equivocation, you can't do this on your own. You cannot love your enemies by your own self. It's going to take the Holy Spirit abiding on the inside of you to position you to love those who've hurt you. It's going to take the Holy Spirit, you yielding your will to the Holy Spirit to be able to pray for those who despitefully use you. But I'm here to tell you it can be done because God would not, if God told us to do this and we don't have the capacity to do this, then God becomes an unjust God. And I do not serve an unjust God. What God is saying is quit depending on your own intellect, your own strength, and learn how to depend on the Holy Spirit. That's the problem that many Christians have. We, we, we haven't embraced the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, and so we try to do things on our own, and we struggle. 
But to you who are willing to listen, I say love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Next verse says what? Let's read. It says, uh, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Okay? We must act in love. Go to Ephesians 4th chapter, verse 1 through 4 right quick. Come on. So, Pastor, are you telling me to act lovingly towards someone I don't even like? Isn't that being hypocritical? No, I call it loving by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things that are not seen. See, sometimes you got to love people. Uh, I, I told you all this before. Here, here's my mantra. Obey until your feelings catch up. Obey the word of God until your feelings catch up. Quit being moved by how you feel and be moved by word. Once I know and it's been explained to me what the scripture says, my role and my responsibility and my next step should be, then I have a responsibility to, to elevate that word above how I feel. Now, many of y'all struggle with that because many, many of you sitting here listening to me right now. I mean, you, you could be good, just as good as gold today and, 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 and like the wicked witch of the West on tomorrow. Because you, 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 you're so dominated by your feelings. I'm not saying that feelings are not a part of us. We all have feelings and, and feelings can sometimes reveal the will of God and what he's moving us to. But oftentimes because our feelings have been affected by life experiences, we allow those feelings to dictate and determine our course of action. And what I'm telling you as a born again believer, the word of God should be our guiding light. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. The word gives us direction. Look at this. It says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Next verse. Let's go, guys. Come on. It says, always be humble and gentle. Always be humble and gentle. Stop being arrogant. It's not about you. It's about him. Be patient with each other. Come on. Be patient with each other. Make it. Here it is again. In case you misunderstood it in the last scripture that we read, here it is again, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. What's love got to do with everything? Because if you don't understand God's love, if you never experienced it, you will not be in a position where you will extend love to others who mess up. And I promise you right now, as sure as I'm standing here, as sure as I'm black, you're going if you if you're in relationship with anybody, there's gonna come a time when they're gonna disappoint you. There's gonna come a time when when you, you may get mad at them. But you gotta love them anyhow. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Three and four. Let's go, guys. Come on, let's read it. It says what? Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. This was written to Christians. Paul is writing to a Gentile church, and he just told them about the fact that 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 they're no longer Two people, there's no longer Jew and Gentile, but we're one in Christ. And he's talking about the unity of the believers, the unity in the church. Make every effort to keep yourself united in spirit, binding yourself together with peace. Next verse says what? Let's read. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. When you love by faith, you act yourself into a feeling. Here's an important truth. I didn't, I didn't make, this is not something I came up with, but I read it and I thought it was real, it's worth repeating. Listen to this. It's easier to act your way into a feeling than to feel your way into an action. I, I, had, I, I said, wow, that's, 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 that's what I've been saying all along. It's easier to act your way into a feeling than to feel your way into an action. Our actions influence our emotions and our thinking also influences the way we feel. We learn from Romans 12, 1 and 2 that God changes our behavior. How? By changing the way we think. That's what Romans 12 and 2 says. God transforms our behavior by changing the way we think. That's why we got to get word in here and not all this other stuff. Our cultural nuances, what mama said and what daddy said. Because sometimes some stuff that we were told growing up just flat out wasn't true. 
And stuff that the devil is telling you right now, saying you can't do certain things, that's a lie from the pits of hell. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm a man of faith. I, I walk by faith and not by sight. Don't tell me what you see. I want you to tell me what you believe. Because what I believe and what I see a lot of times are diametrically opposed. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk by what the word of God says. If I got a promise in God's word, I'm going to stand on that. I don't care what it looks like. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things that are not seen. Many people are trying to walk by what they see. And many people are saying, well, you can't have a multi-ethnic church in America. Why not? Not one led by African-Americans. Why not? Well, you know, why not? What does the word of God say? God's plan for his church is to bring the, the two into one, right? And so just, just because you doubting that God says, okay, I'm going to give you a glimpse right now. But he, listen, he, listen, I'm going to show you what's happening right now. But I, my, my plan is for the unity in the church to affect the world so the world can see how to get, get along. So humanity, humanity can understand that the key to being unified is not whether or not you Democrat or Republican. They may not, they may not ever be unified. But the key to unity is... is the foundation of Christ Jesus, which you and I have, 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 have brought into our life. We've asked Christ to come and save us. And now, because we are Christians, we are united in that blessed hope. Can I get a witness? Last thing. We must act in a loving way. And lastly, we must expect the best, even, even expect the best of even those we don't like. Wow. Go to First Corinthians 13. Expecting the best. I've been preaching, guys, for about 45, 50, 55 minutes. And this young man sitting right here has been paying attention and looking at me the whole time. <laughs> While some of y'all been... <laughs> when are you going to get through? They said they got some food trucks. <laughs> man, I've been... Uh, listen, it's just... It just caught my eye. This guy, this, this dude has been locked in for 55 minutes. And he can't be no more than, what, six? He's five. Now, if a five-year-old, <laughs> come on, if a five-year-old can lock in for 55 minutes, what about you? Okay. I'm a little different, y'all. I'm telling you, I'm a little different. Because I believe to be prepared for spiritual warfare, we need some spiritual weaponry. And 20 minutes don't get it for me. I need to know how to fight, spiritually speaking. Because I know that 85% of y'all ain't going to read your Bible when you leave here. Statistics tell us that most Christians don't read. So all you're going to get most of the time is what I give you. So I, I got to give you a little bit more than 20 minutes. Because I need you to prepare for spiritual warfare. Some of y'all going to leave here right now and you're going to be tested the moment you leave out this building with what's been said today, make an allowance for somebody's faults because somebody's going to step on your toes, somebody's going to do something you don't like. And I don't want you out there in Walmart acting ugly <laughs> with your EBC t-shirt on, <laughs> cussing the cashier out. Okay? Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Look at verse 8 for good, good, good measure. Prophecy and speaking unknown languages and special knowledge will become useful, but love will last forever. Guys, love is contagious and it changes people. It can transform a personality. Love people because when you genuinely believe in them and expect the best, love expects the best. I expect the best out of each one of y'all. I don't look at you and expect nothing less than God's best for your life. I don't care where you've been, what you've done. I don't care how many mistakes you've made. God still loves you and he wants you to become a part of the family of God if you're not already. And if you are a part of the family of God, he wants you to become a disciple believer who consistently walks in his word. So that you can have kingdom impact wherever you go. Are y'all with me today? So guys, listen. God's plan for His church is in motion. It's been in motion since since uh, Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary. So what are we going to do? 
what are we going to do with, with, with what we've learned? How are we going to respond to God's plan for his church? Jesus gave his life for us out on Calvary, guys. Hung, bled, and died. Rose again early the third day morning with all power and heaven and earth in his hand. And he's, he's standing with arms wide open waiting to pardon each one of us and want to have a relationship with us. Not just religion, but a relationship. And there's a difference. So what are you? What's love got to do with this? Everything. Because God's love, when it permeates through this body, it'll exude out of us and we can have kingdom impact wherever we go. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you.